HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Blueprint, the original juice cleanse program to offer different levels of intensity depending on your needs and current diet. For more information, visit Blueprint.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. We talk about food. We talk about music.
Rock and Roll Sunday. Uh, that was just Cal Marx. Uh, the song is called Peaking off the record Life is Murder. Coming out uh, later this month, we're going to get more, uh, more to it live. Uh, big shout out to Dan from Exploding in Sound for uh, sending, uh, setting this all up. Really, really excited about it. Um, they're going to be playing live. Uh, welcome to our very first uh, Sunday episode of Snacky Tunes. After four years, we have switched from Monday, given the fact that I now have a full-time job, and so does Greg, who is one half the host. I'm the other half, Darren Bresnitz. This is Snacky Tunes. And thank you to everyone who came out today for the garage sale, end of an era, rising tides, selling all of our stuff. We'll be uh, at Roberta's for another half an hour if you want some plates and some cheap cookware. Yeah. Um, Vultures Descend. Vultures Descend. But we're very excited to welcome the show live from Chicago, Amanda Freytag. Amanda, welcome to Snacky Tunes. Uh, it's my honor to be on your first Sunday Snacky Tunes. I wish I was there in person. I know, but you had to dip to Chicago to eat your face off, am I right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I'm kind of recovering from the, the hours of eating yesterday and the morning of debaucherous eating today. Tell me that you went to Oshawa and got the uh, bologna sandwich. I went to Oshaval and I got the burger with the egg on top. Oh, my God. I'm actually going to Chicago tomorrow, and I plan on eating that bologna sandwich, possibly by myself. Oh, my God. Well, I also recommend the chilaquiles because they are crazy good. Uh, I heard everything's good there. Um, so, Amanda, welcome. You and I met Thank you. Uh, a while ago when you were taping Unique Eats, and I was uh, the person who made all your reservations for you. Yes, I love that. I miss you. I need somebody to do that for me presently, currently. Um, so, so you've been, let's go back to the beginning. You've been cooking for a long time in the city, correct? That's correct. Where did you Don't get, tell anybody. I won't tell anybody, and we won't say the year, but where did you get your start? Um, I, you know, I grew up in New Jersey and then I didn't want to, I didn't want to go to proper college and I was working in a restaurant at the time and I started to fall in love with the industry, and then I discovered the Culinary Institute of America. Mm. It was like Chef E. Heaven. Um, and um, I was lucky enough to be able to go there. I had to work a year in the restaurant before being accepted. I Things are a little different there now, but worked hard, and I went there, and the rest is, as they say, kind of history. Wait, what do you mean you had to work a year in a restaurant before you got accepted? Before I got accepted, they wanted, I had been working, but I had been working in the front of the house. They needed to see that you had worked in a kitchen for at least a year. They're very strict about that at the time. And when I went to school, I went to school with people who were actually, you know, restaurant owners, people who were just going back to, like, the basics and wanted to know how to do this better. So it was a very unique situation. Now I feel like, you know, culinary schools are housing kids right out of high school. Yeah, now, these are professionals, people who had worked in the industry. I think they wanted to sort of make sure that you you loved it enough to keep you know come up there and waste their time. <laughs> so after you graduated, uh, you spent some time um, over at Vong, but you really sort of came to your own yeah. over at Verbana, correct? Verbena, yeah. Verbena. I, I had worked at Vong, and I was the line cook there. It was a pretty intense experience. And um, I was moving on from there, and I actually was planning on working with a woman named Amy Sacco, but things in her life changed a lot, and she introduced me to Diane Forley, who was opening Verbena in Gramercy Park. And it was a pretty cool opportunity. I started there as a line cook, and then I just moved up, and I stayed there for six years, which is now unheard of in the restaurant industry. 
Um, it was a gem of a restaurant. We made some pretty amazing food. It was a wonderful time in New York. What was talk to me about that time? I mean, it's sort of like these halcyon days of, uh, you know, early '90s. New York's still sort of rough. The dining scene is really coming to its own. Walk me through yeah. like what a weekend was like to be a chef in the middle of it. It was really interesting, actually, because we were right near Union Square, mm-hmm. also. So it was really just the beginning of you know the Union Square Green Market. You know, farmers that were there were, you know, the farmers that are famous farmers now, and they would come down and bring their stuff, and there was huge interactions with farmers and chefs. Those were really the only people going to the green market at the time. And, um, you know, we'd have the farmers in our restaurants all the time. We'd see the chefs all the time at the market. It was this whole, you know, the idea even of sustainable local and doing all of that was just, just becoming something that we did here in America. You know, prior to that, it was like, oh, well, we can do anything, we can get anything, and that was the the big deal about culinary. You know, sure, we can make raspberry sauce in winter. We can do whatever we want. We're chefs, and we're America. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it was really the beginning of that movement. And what was it like? I mean, what... Because now when It was pretty cool. I mean, just think about it. It was when Danny Meyer had... Union Square Cafe only. And, right, and he was revitalizing that whole area. He was revitalizing that area. He was working on Gramercy Tavern, which back in the day was like one of the biggest openings ever. I remember it being on the cover of New York Magazine, wow. as, you know, the next four-star restaurant. Um, and I think it changed the face of everything. I really do. So when um, when people started seeing local or you started bringing attention to that, how did people react? Did they... Were they? Did they even, I guess, have a thought that something wouldn't be local, or did they just not even understand the conversation or care? I think they were starting to get it. I think some people, like, we would change our menu quite often. And even for me, I was learning. Um, you know, we had a lot of regulars, and we would change our menu anywhere from four to six times a year. And it was a pretty high-end restaurant, and we had people that wanted the, they wanted the same stuff all the time. They didn't want, they were, they were not hip to us changing the menu so often. Uh, and until they really got into the vibe of the seasons and the flow of it, and they're like, okay, you know, we are ready for asparagus now, and okay, here comes tomatoes, and um, we're ready for squash, you know. They started to understand it. People were talking about it more. and But, you know, we got a lot, a little bit of kickback because, you know, you take your regular's favorite right. you know, dish off the menu, they're just going to go somewhere else. But then they started to learn, wait a minute, there's something else, and there's something better, yeah. and it makes sense. And I'm sure when you went to Paris in the late 90s, early 2000s, that was really already, I mean, that's just the norm there. That was huge for me, learning experience, because I was already in this, you know, gem of a restaurant in New York, and then I got to go do that, and I got to see, wait a minute, we're not doing anything new. Like, these people have been doing this forever, you know, and every day, at the end of the day, the walk-ins were empty. There'd be two big, huge blocks of butter, salted and unsalted, (laughs) and that's it. And then in the morning pigs and chickens and frogs and fish and vegetables and dairy were all just coming through the door. Right. And when you were out there, you did um, a number of stages in, in that time period of your life. And, and I've always been curious, you know, when someone does a stage for a week or two weeks, you know, how much do you really pick up, you know, given the fact that you're putting that against, you know, sometimes you spend two, three, four, five, six years in a restaurant? Yeah. Well, in that capacity, it's, it's a pretty intensive program. You know, you're there from 7 a.m. to 1 a.m., and you do that every day in an intense restaurant, you're going to you're gonna see a lot. A lot happens. I, if 
for anybody who's never ever worked in a kitchen, I don't think they realize what goes on in in one kitchen in one day. Right. You know, it's what you do at work in about a week, you know, in an office. Right. <laughs> what happens in a day in a kitchen is like an entire lifetime. Uh, so, um, is I any- had the luck, I had the great fortune of also, you know, staging at Arpege where my chef had also done a, a bit of an intern. So instead of cleaning mushrooms for two weeks, I was able to actually work on a station. So... I got the connection. Uh, is there anything that you learned during those stages that are still in your repertoire of cooking today? Skills or dishes or flavors or anything like that? That's a good question. Um, hmm. I definitely think that, um, you know, it was really high-end fancy French, but I also learned a lot about flexibility in the kitchen um, because they had the, the ability to just verbalize their menu. They had a menu, but they could verbalize a tasting menu. Um, so if we had a busy night and things started to change and we didn't have something, they were able to create something on the fly. They were able to come up with something even better. They were able to convince the customers that absolutely nothing was wrong. And, of course, you would want, you know, the veal instead of the lobster. The lobster, you know. You wouldn't want that, you know? Yeah, so I learned a lot about flexibility and working on the fly and how to make things happen, just watching that orchestra of cooks make it make it go. Amazing. Well, we're going to take a quick musical interlude, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about uh, your return to New York, your rise on television, and the new exciting project you have coming up this fall. Ha-ha. Awesome. All right. So just chill. We're going to put on some music. Maybe you can get a you know shot of Fernet or some DJ Steve. And we'll be right back (laughs) with Amanda here on our first Sunday edition of Snacky Tune.
the best part of having the show on sunday is that now we are allowed to imbibe yeah i mean when we used to do that show on mondays it was like and it was also like very rushed like we came in it was like business and then like 301 now it's like hey they want to get a beer if you were here man you would be able to drink with us amanda we have this pizza i know that's what i love about heritage radio <laughs> we have all this pizza and beer for four years i mean like people would show up with um like um when paul uh, from Taiwan showed up he showed up with the reason i was like i can't really drink this like, i gotta go back to work now it's like you only brought one bottle? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so after Europe, you come back to New York. And did you yeah. come back with a mission where you're like, I'm about to you know, really mess some stuff up here. I got, I got a whole new vision. I came back with the uh, inspiration. And I actually, you know, sometimes those experiences make me feel like, oh, my God, I know nothing. <laughs> right. Like, you know, I came I back and I was like, what do I know? I know nothing. I've got to learn everything now. Uh, so in 2000, I moved on from Verbena and I was like, I want to, I'm just hungry. I'm hungry for information. And I went and opened a restaurant up on the Upper East Side for Mark Spagenthal. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the learning experience I was looking for. And I was a chef de cuisine and I was like, you know what, I'm going to take a step back. And then I became a sous chef for Sarah Jenkins when she was the chef at El Buco. Oh, shout out to Sarah yeah. Jenkins. Yeah, she's amazing. Thank God for Sarah Jenkins. She's so passionate about what she does. She's brilliant. And the time when she was at Il Buco, it was just incredible. I don't know if you got to eat there when she was there. But I, I did. She had this little think tank of Italian, Tuscan, you know, culinary dreams. You know, we had to cook with organic Umbrian chickpeas and organic Umbrian flour. And we had to use, you know, the olive oil from there that was just pressed. And it was incredible. And she taught me everything I know about how to make pasta, the love of it, uh, curing meats. I mean, that was a while ago. That was pre-2001, and we were we were making our own cured meats there. Um, so we were doing things now that are so chic and chefs are, are all, you know, <laughs> all butchered and tatted up about it, and we were just doing it kind of quietly in the basement we of El Buco. <laughs> we were curing before curing was curing, is what you're trying to say. Yeah, curing was caring, for sure. So I got the bug for Italian cooking, you know, and then I moved on from there, and, you know, I had gone from chef to cuisine, chef to cuisine, back to sous chef, and I was like, I want to, you know, I got to be a chef. So, But I, I took this interesting turn, and I was a chef at a little restaurant, and it has a very small following uh, called Lavagna in East Village. Mm-hmm. And... I was a hands-on working chef there. I had about five employees, including myself. Wow. Uh, it was a fun little, I loved it. It was a great restaurant. We had some interesting people come in there. It was just good, yummy, yummy food. Um, and I, I really, I had a good time there, but it was, you know, I, I just had nothing but 
work head down. Of course. I was like, I, I need, I need more. And I, I've made the mistake of being slightly burnt out and then wanting to like go work corporate. And I took a hotel job and it was definitely not what I wanted. No. But at this, and luckily, luckily Tom Valenti, uh, called me up and he was like, look, I'm opening this restaurant and I want you to be my chef's cuisine. And I was like, great. And it was called Cheska and it was on the Upper West Side. And I opened it with Tom. It was a monster. And we were very successful. Great review from the Times. Incredible restaurant. I, I loved it. Um, and then I went to Brooklyn. Hello. I thought I could go to Brooklyn and hide. That was my idea. How'd that work out for you? You can't hide in Brooklyn. Yeah, you can't hide in Brooklyn. There's no hiding in Brooklyn. Uh, I tried. At the time, also, I was always a little bit in front of everything. I thought you could, and you kind of could. Brooklyn wasn't what it is right now in the culinary right. at all. Franny's was just starting. It was in Park Slope, a little restaurant called Sete on 7th Avenue and 3rd Street. And we opened. I opened it ground up, and it, I was proud of what we did there for sure, but it was limited. It had limited capabilities of what we could do. And then uh, Jody Williams was a chef at Gusto at the time, and she knew she was leaving, and she talked to me, and she's like, you want to come back to Manhattan? This is a great job. And I kind of did. I wanted to go back. And uh, I went back to Gusto. It was my foray back into the city. And it was good. It was great. The restaurant was beautiful at the time. It was really all about the food there. And, um, and then it was time to stop doing Italian. And uh, that was when Jimmy Bradley sort of, Gave me a call and was like, hey, would Hi. you be interested in coming to the Harrison and re-energizing it? And uh, I was like, yeah, I want to use curry and Old Bay and, you know, mm, I, love that stuff. <laughs> I wanted to use ingredients that had nothing to do with Italian food. So right, right, it was right. really fun. And uh, when did you get the TV bug? When did you start popping up on, on the old You know, I network? think even, it's funny, even at Verbena, like before, before chefs were really celebrities, um, before the Food Network even existed, like we would do anything we could to promote the restaurant. We would go and do demos at Macy's. We would go to every charity event. You know, you do whatever you can to put the restaurant out there. So, you know, the, the onset of the restaurant PR and all that stuff, and every time you go to a restaurant, you have to do whatever you can. So when I was at the Harrison, I was doing some morning television here and there, and then um, the PR company got a call that said that they wanted me to be on Iron Chef, and I was like, no way. <laughs> I don't, that's not my style. I don't make caramel cages and frozen fried ketchup. I, I can't do that. <laughs> and they were like, really? Uh, you don't want to do it? And I was if like, I see no. one more frozen ketchup on Iron Chef, I'm going to scream. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't do that kind of stuff. And then, you know, the PR guys came back around. They were like, listen, this it would be really good for the restaurant. And I was like, all right, I get it. And then I had a great experience on Iron Chef, um, which led to uh, doing more Iron Chef stuff. And then in between, a re old regular Augusto had come to dinner at the Harrison and brought the woman who created Chops with him on a sun quiet Sunday night. And we were talking about the show and ended up sending me the pilot and a, few, a handful of us started started that show and I don't think anybody ever realized what a phenomena it would become. No, not at all. It's like pop culture now. It's in the, the term chop becomes like a actual, you know, terminology if something's happened to you that you've been chopped. <laughs> I mean, uh, how many was it season 20? Something like that? Uh yeah, yeah, I think we're up to 19. I mean, the seasons are short, but you know, I mean, we are, we're, still, we're getting into Seinfeld territory here. <laughs> you know, I still watch Seinfeld episodes that are 20 years old, and they still stand up. Me too. And right? so good. Thank, thank you, TBS, for 
That's like, uh, <laughs> um, so let's talk about what's coming up uh, as as we yeah, wind yeah. down. So I've walked past. I think it was the Empire Diner, right uh, over in Chelsea. That's correct. Uh, yep. A thousand times on my way to God knows how many gallery opens things, and I was like, nobody's ever in there. But you're about to change yep. all of that. I'm about to change a lot of that. And there's going to be people in there all the time. I'm so honored you. to be a part of it, to have that space. Uh, it's such an iconic New York historical space. And it's time. It's time for it to have new life again. You know, I think it lost a little bit of its luster after, you know, it closed as Empire. And it's time. It's time for a new Florent. It's time for a new empire. It's time. That's my neighborhood. I live there. I love it there. And I just want to give it back to the neighborhood, really. So 24 hours, seven days a week, right? Eventually. Eventually. We're going we're gonna to baby step it. I just actually, part of my research and development out here was the ghosty Stephanie Izzard, who has Little Boat. And uh, I think she said she's open currently for 22 hours a day. Uh-huh. And she's a major success with it and uh, she's killing it with yummy delicious food very different from what i would be doing but you know i i want to see what she's doing and see how she's doing it and she's still alive you know so that's good <laughs> yeah so when do you think this is going to open what's what's what date are we looking at uh, we're looking at the end of october actually i mean everything's actually moving pretty quickly like right now like construction wise um everything's going to happen fast so we're looking at the end of october Hopefully no later than that first week in November. You know, we don't, we're not going to open with the outdoor cafe, which is what we were trying to do. But now we have something to look forward to in spring. We're going to have a beautiful outdoor seating area. Awesome. Um, well, Amanda, thank you for taking time out of your eating You're schedule welcome. in Chicago. You're welcome. Sorry I'm not there with you eating pizza and we'll, drinking beer, we'll but uh, I've got the, my own job here in Chicago. <laughs> we'll come to the uh, the opening night of uh, whatever you're going to call it. and we'll, You better. Oh, yeah, bring you don't, that microphone and you don't have a name yet, on do that you? radio. You, do you have a name yet? We don't. We okay. don't. We have, we have a plan, and it seems like our plan is going to work. So sooner than later, the name will be announced. Okay. Does we'll that plan involve adjectives and nouns on a dartboard? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. All right. And so when? So uh, give us the details. Where can people follow you? When can people see you on TV? When's, when's all that good stuff? Tuesday nights, 9 or 10 o'clock, or anytime you turn on the Food Network. Um, huh. <laughs> yeah, Chopped is on nonstop. Um, Twitter, at Amanda Feintag. Check out my Instagram. I just put up a bunch of food pictures. It's Chef Amanda F. I like and them. I totally like them. I try, I, try, I try to share my food pictures. It's just I want to eat the food. I don't want to take a picture of it. I know. I know. Are people going um, to be encouraged? Come to Chelsea at the end of October, and I promise I'll feed you. What's the address? Or just give us the corner because it's right there. It's on 10th Avenue, right on the corner of 22nd. You can't miss it. It's huh? awesome. Um, well, Amanda, thank you. Let's do drinks again when you get welcome. back to New York real soon. Absolutely. I will see you. Enjoy Chicago. I will. Uh, save some food for me. I will. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we have uh, Cal Marx uh, coming up. You've been riding around on that all day. Searching for the right things to say Let it go, let it spill into my mind 
Snacky Tunes. I'm Darren Bresnitz. This is Greg Bresnitz. We have Boston in the house. Hey, Boston. What's up, Hello. Boston? Hello. Wait a, thanks for driving down for this, guys. No problem. We were just talking about uh, Anna's Taqueria, which is my, still today probably number one burrito spot, quesadilla spot. I disagree, but it's good. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, so thanks for coming down. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> what is, what's, what's your spot? Uh, it's not in Boston. It's, uh, it's a little bit outside of Boston. It's called uh, Tacos of Pita. Okay, so I'm talking about in Boston. Oh, then I guess I guess you're pretty. You're, I, would, right. I would actually mm-hmm. say Habaneros is my favorite. Habaneros is really good. That's in Alston, like right in the heart of it. Uh, okay, I think that may have. Uh, I mean, it, it has been like what eight and a half years since you've been there. Nine, nine years. Nine years. So did you live there? <laughs> I did. I went to. Uh, I lived in Alston Rock City. Oh, right. oh okay. Nice. Had a house that shows. Cool. Yeah, you never heard of me. <laughs> uh, so, well, why don't you introduce yourselves? Who you are? What you do in the band? 
I'm Carl. I play guitar. I'm Nick. I play drums. I'm Mike. I play the bass. So I know the band has had a number of incarnations with Carl, you just being solo, and then you guys came in this year, but you want to kind of take a little bit back to the beginning and just give us the, the origins and how you guys got to here in this room defending different taco places and <laughs> to guys in Williamsburg? Well, the truth is we've been defending taco places since the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, no, uh, yeah. Uh, I started like when I was... I want to say I was like about 18 years old, so that had to be in like 2007. I started writing songs and recording them uh, just on my own under this name. But I didn't really have any intention of having it always be like solo stuff. So after a while, I got really bored of just doing solo shows and stuff and eventually had people play along. And eventually I wanted something solid and actually have like a solid lineup and now we're at this how loud were you when it was just you was it how loud were you when it was just you <laughs> oh oh very quiet in fact one one of the shows that i had that was like i am done with i, I have to do this electric now was just like a house show playing acoustic and there was a just a like a bunch of drunk guys just yelling at me just like <laughs> Yeah, you think you're Bob Dylan, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and it was terrible. So you really were like, all right, fuck this extreme. I'm going to the other side of this. Uh, well, then you had your Bob Dylan Newport moment, right? Yeah. When you plugged in. Yeah. yeah everyone was pissed. Yeah. Oh, so angry. <laughs> yeah. uh, we actually, we had a, a baby uh, sitting outside of the studio, and we had to move the baby inside because of uh, what's about to come. Why don't we, why don't we get a song? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll do a all song, right. and then we'll, we'll come back and talk more. But, uh, you know, a little bit less talk, more rock. Uh, give us a second to re. Uh, re- what song are you guys going to play first? Uh-oh. Uh oh. Oh man. Uh-oh. We're gonna. Nope. If I figure this out. There's a little hole there. Already coming and breaking shit. Not even hey. one song in. Oh boy. Here we go. I got it. <laughs> there it is. Who do you think you are? All right. What's the first one you're going to play? Uh. Love is a song, not an answer. Okay. Uh, live on Snacky Tunes. I'll be undone We'll be deemed impossible Oh, I felt your sign 
along with my sweetie little boy. One love song. One love song. I know how to read it. I know, I know how. One love song. One love song. Michelada down. Michelada down. Michelada down. Uh, I, I will have to say this is the first time that I've had to wear headphones in the studio. It's... Hi. Oh, man. These people are not happy. <laughs> They're okay. Uh, what kind of bands usually play? Like uh, it's like the first incarnation of this band. No, it's oh, fine. Right, it's yeah. Sunday. We wanted to kind of bring in the rock a little bit uh, on Sunday. So, um, yeah. So, let's talk about the, the new record. Uh, you know, it's an evolution from the last one that you did, which was a little bit more home studio. Um, what was the, you know, what changed the process and what, you know, how did you guys approach this differently? Somebody want to take this? So I can <laughs> fix this microphone again. Yeah. Um, I just joined this band. I know. Yeah, Nick, well, yeah. Uh, well, we had plans on making a record uh, when we were last on tour. And... Our drummer quit the day we got back, so it a seemed bit like of a shocker. Yeah, and <laughs> he, I don't know, he was like really hating us, and uh, and so it ended. And I just thought the band was gonna be over, and then it, Nick just immediately well, hold on. If it, if it was a solo project to begin with, I mean, the only person who, I yeah. mean, how does that work? Well, the thing was, I finally been like become accustomed to the idea of it being a band and i felt like these people have their roles in the band if if uh he's gone then it's it's over and also it's very hard to find a good drummer and uh i was very happy with nick jumping in though I feel like drummers and actually the drummers and bass players it depends on like certain scenes it's like one or the other interchangeable that it's hard to it's hard to find. Yeah. And in Boston, it's drummer. I mean, yeah. everyone wants to be a guitar player, you know? Yeah. Every, yeah. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, so you guys reformed, uh, new new drummer, and then uh, you decided to get in the studio? Yeah. yeah. I joined in uh, last March, and then right from there, we like had some practices, played some shows, and then we just... Kind of immediately went to the studio. Yeah, and I yeah. was only playing with the group for like two months at that point before we started to decide to record. Yeah, and uh, but Nick had gone on a we had toured with his other band, so he was like pretty 
familiar with everything. Gotcha. What other bands? Uh, my other band's called Big Mess. Okay. Yeah. You also want to shout out other people and who you play with in the Boston scene? Because I know you guys come from like a pretty tight group of bands. Uh, sure. Uh, Name them out. Call uh, them out. Well, obviously, like Pile, they've been kind of uh, the most uh, popular, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's but, a bunch but, of dudes. but, like, you can, you can say the word popular. Yeah. Like, I mean, Pile's like also pretty, like, influential, too. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, they, they, I mean, they're the one of the bands that's actually, like, doing it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what does that mean? They're act- they're like doing nothing, it for the right reasons yeah, and not. There's, there's no like they're always working on things and yeah, always yeah. having rehearsals. They're just like working on the craft, practicing and, a lot. And they're the one band that I could say that like absolutely deserves everything they've gotten. Like and they've gotten they've gained a lot of popularity like recently in the past like two years and like it's nothing sketchy. It's nothing like weird. It's just all they just, didn't like, sell out. Yeah, it's all deserved. Yeah, just a great yeah. bunch of guys. I'm also like roommates with them too, so it's like. <laughs> It's a good living situation. Can, can I ask now that I guess I'm 10 years removed from like the DIY Boston scene, is is there still selling out? Like I feel in well, this day and age, I don't, I, I don't know I mean, what actually not like, that it's is. It's not like it's not like I don't know. It's not like selling out. It's just like you know they like they 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 stick they they stuck to their roots, I guess, and they still like people like they're still really popular and like they. I don't know. They just rule. Yeah. That's it. Like, I don't really know what else to say. <laughs> no, that's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. Ruling is an acceptable yeah. answer. And then there's there's a couple there's a couple new bands. Uh, uh, there's Chandeliers. Those are good friends of ours. Um, Fat History Month. Uh, Ski Mask. Wait, Fat History Month? Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, sneeze. Krill. Yeah. Um, New England Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> no, that the googleability on that name is probably pretty hard. Boston, yeah, right. New England yeah. Patriots, yeah, it's band. A, it's Boston a, Red Sox. So. Yeah. <laughs> and so, where are you guys playing? Are there house shows? Or are they venues? Or what? Are we There's not about? so many house shows anymore. But yeah, we used to play like a lot of house shows. What happened? Cops. Cops. Yeah, that's Cops. basically it. Yeah. I'm not a cop. It was like yeah. a it was like a span of a week, and they just like, as far as Boston goes, there was like a span of a week where they just like. Fuck took everybody. care of everything. Oh, like, wasn't wasn't there that thing with that cop on the message board? Yeah, yeah Joe yeah. Sly. Joe Sly. Yeah. 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 Did they ever find out who Joe Sly actually was? He's still puking green beer. Oh my god, <laughs> so funny. That was the lamest. Wait, I like DIY there? concerts. Yeah. What's who the likes DIY Just, concerts? Uh, there was a, a cop who like joined like uh, Twitter and yep. message boards. And he's like, I, I like DIY concerts. I'm still puking green beer. Where's the next show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very inconspicuous person. Yeah. And, yes. and his name was Joe Sly. Joe, Joe Sly. Sly. Like, literally. And his <laughs> Facebook picture was, like, a drawing? It was, like, an a... MS Paint drawing of, like, a punk with a green mohawk. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, they, yeah, I'm not a cop. And then you, <laughs> you, have, you have to tell me. I, I'm... And then there was another person that was, like, messaging a lot of people who was a cop, clearly, because her it was a, supposedly a woman and her Facebook picture was like her with two people and like the two people were like ta- Facebook tagged as like Justin Bieber and the bass player from <laughs> Slipknot <laughs> yeah they like they spent like no time on background stories yeah, yeah. Yeah. no not at all they're like these kids these kids aren't savvy yeah. they have no idea um, why don't we get a, another song yeah sure cool sure, yeah. and we might have to buy that table outside around the beers yeah. or by the looks of it a bottle of wine but We'll go with it. Um, what are you guys going to play? The, the, what's the name of this one? Do you want to do River? Yeah. Sure. 
yeah, this song's called uh, Where a River Starts and Ends. Wherever stars, though I know nothing could be perfect, there's places we pass through on our journey through the rabbits, and then takes a turn. There's some bands go to Fresh water to salt Now everyone controls you Nothing could ever be stopped I'll get
Uh, so, I mean, since you guys just kind of formed as a, a band and you're ever going to go to studio, I mean, usually it takes years to get chemistry, and that record is really tight and really good. So, was it just kind of, you know, clicked naturally, or how did you guys feel through the, the process? Uh, these guys are really good at playing their instruments, so that definitely <laughs> helps. Thanks, dude. <laughs> I'm a complete idiot when it comes to I I have no guys. That's real... why you jump in. and say no, 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 no. No, <laughs> no I I've, no. I I have no real good training at all, and they they they're good at making sense of it all. It's good songs, dude. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. You guys, you guys cook. You guys eat together. Do you guys uh, like hang out like that? We don't hang out. No. <laughs> no, no, we hang out. <laughs> Uh, uh, do we cook together? I don't know. Hang out, grab meals. Carl's made me dinner before. What'd you make? What did I make you? Uh, I think spaghetti. <laughs> oh, I, th- yeah. I think I think I've actually cooked for both of you at some point. Oh yeah, as well. you made me that pork stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you pork, pork stuff. Yeah. yeah, I made that like a uh, good old like pork and sriracha sandwich. Yeah. For you and some kind of pasta thing for you. I That's think. right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So what do you guys got coming up this fall? You guys touring more? Yeah. yeah right. And the record's coming out middle of this month, right? Yeah. I think yep. so. Very soon. Big shout out to Dan. Yeah. He's out there. Hell yeah. Thank you, yeah. Dan, for setting this up. Wu-Tang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what's, uh, tell us about the album. Tell us about the tour. Uh, the tour starts uh, a week from Thursday. So yeah. next, On the 19th. Next Thursday, the ni- yeah. And uh, it'll be for three weeks through the Midwest and like back up the East Coast. Um, you can talk about the album, huh? Um, the album is gonna be out in like uh, right before we leave. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the two, days, two days before we leave. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we actually have the records. Um, we just have to get the covers. And, uh, and we're, <laughs> just get the sleeves. And we're ready to go. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you press final. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Dan helped us out with his label, Exploding and Sound. Yeah. Uh, Boston-based label called uh, Midnight Werewolf helped us out and then a Louisville label called uh, Sophomore Lounge helped us out yeah. so the three of those combined it's pretty yeah. amazing how yeah. did you how were you able to get all three to come to together um, that's a good question uh, <laughs> I mean I, I feel like they're all three labels are like kind of of the same mindset was helping helping yeah. helping smaller like DIY yeah. bands out so it kind of just all made sense yeah all friends they're all good friends yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, so we're going to uh, find time to get one more in here. But what are the nuts and bolts? Yeah, get, people can find you. Uh, can they pre-order the album? or? They yeah, they can okay. pre-order the album at the Bandcamp. Um, I don't know the Bandcamp address off the top of my head. I think it's just calmarks.bandcamp.com. Yeah, I, yeah. Believe, yeah. I believe you're correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah Leave it to the drummer to know it, yeah. which no one ever says, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you can pre-order it there. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll be sending them out, like, Awesome. And then next week, Instagram, yeah. Twitter, email, come Facebook. To town, Facebook. Facebook. We have Facebook, and that's it. Okay. Yeah. And you can always write one of the labels. You got to get that Instagram feed up for the tour. None of. Oh, None, he's, he's got a Oh, fancy he's the only one that has a smartphone. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. I guess I have to do that now. What do you rock? <laughs> flip, flip, flip phone? Yeah, the iFlip. Yeah, I, okay. I got I to gotta go phone. Okay. Uh, right. Um, all right, guys. Well, thanks for uh, joining us. Um, this is our first. Uh, Sunday Snacky Tombs. I'll actually will be doing our last Monday show tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to step on out and go hug the uh, hug the staff on this last one so they don't <laughs> murder us. But uh, I'm going to let Darren take this out. Uh, well, I want to thank everybody. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, Heritage. That's Thank you short, right? to everybody who put up with us. Uh, 
And uh, we got one last song, and then we'll be back next Sunday uh, with another awesome show and some more beer drinking. Um, here we go. This is probably the last live band. We're allowed like one live band, uh, like super loud live band every two years. Uh, it was... I can't even remember as I long ago. Oh, I can tell you uh, in one second. It's not going to matter. All right. Uh, what song What song are you going to play? What song are you going to play for us? Oh, it's the, it was the Death by Audio Guys side project. Oh, yeah. Um, what song are you going to play for us? Uh, parking Lot. Okay. Well, here we go. Thank you so much. Uh, for being on Snacky Tunes. We'll be here next week with uh, some more. We just got some more stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to be a lot of of good stuff. Um, Here we go. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. 
You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.